Alright, welcome to another edition of the Tabletop Miniature Hobby Podcast. It's the 1000th episode. Uh, I've always wanted to say that. It's not the 1000th episode. It's like the 35th or something. I've just always wanted to say that. Um, I'm joined on this episode by Ryan all the way out in... Was it Alberta, Canada, you said? Yes, yeah, it's Alberta, Canada. And nice and warm there, time of recording, I Oh, here. so warm. Just, just a... Balmy negative 18 Celsius. Yeah, I mean, this is an audio-only podcast, so nobody will see this, but Ryan's sitting outside in his garden. He's got a pair of trunks on. Uh, he's painting a miniature in his trunks. There's um, icicles hanging from his nose as well, so it's uh, you need to take a, a selfie and we could post that in the show notes. Yeah, I'll get right on that. <laughs> <laughs> So I, I see behind you, again, this this doesn't work very well in audio, but I see you've got a, a big collection of stuff behind you there. So is that all the hobby gear there that we could see or that I could uh, see? Yeah, yeah. It's an assortment. I got everything from a tabletop game, War, uh, Warhammer, uh, but then I did a lot of uh, role-playing games, uh, Pathfinder, mm. Dungeons & Dragons, stuff like that, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then and do novels. you get a lot of... Do you get a lot of a lot of time or regular time to to do hobby related stuff then? Uh yeah yeah. Um, for myself, mostly building. Um, I'm still working on, on uh, videos. They take longer than you think. Um, so. Yeah, yeah, the creating content around it—that's a thing. Like we'll maybe touch on that, but um, it, it like times is by i don't know four or five the amount of times it takes to do anything if you're documenting it and publishing stuff about it doesn't it but i do find it quite rewarding because it kind of it's just another wing to what you're what you're sort of creating as well yeah very much so i find yeah it does take longer when you have to record everything and then you in the end i i will record easy three hours of product and maybe use 20 minutes <laughs> yeah so yeah. Oh, it, it's in very interesting and then half of it i just voice over because the audio is just me putzing and listening to youtube <laughs> <laughs> so yeah you're running a youtube channel then tell us a bit about that yeah um i started like a lot of people um during covid uh what was it 2021 in may uh, it's nothing big. It's a little over 500 people. It's grown. It's kind of just a hobby right now, but I'd love to keep taking it and make it a full-time job, but that takes time. And I know that, and I think anything worth doing is worth doing right. So if it takes time, it's worth it in the end. There's no quick, uh, get rich quick schemes that are worth it, I think. So if you can take your time, build your fan base, build your community and have fun, and do it right, I think it's worth it in the end. Yeah, I getting into it for the right reasons. Yeah, definitely. Um, not like me getting into this podcast. I just thought I'd be a millionaire by now. Um, that's not happened, obviously. So I <laughs> just have to keep working <laughs> away. Um, what's the what's the like core uh, theme of your uh, YouTube channel, if any? Is there particular styles of stuff or games that you cover? or? Um, mostly just terrain. Um so building the train for tabletop games, Rangers, the Shadow Deep, stuff like that, um, Frostgrave, uh, More Time even, uh, that's a big one right now. I was able to get in a game on the weekend, actually. So that was a lot of fun. Yeah, I More Time, yeah. So uh, how did that all go for you then? Have you played that before? I have, I have, yeah. 
Um, I sadly, I, I started into the hobby in 2001, so I missed the initial more time launch and I didn't find out about it until it, it was a dead war game. And I actually stumbled upon, and I actually, you can't see it, but I do actually own a copy of the book, um, which the, I've been told there, it's a big flex when you can own the actual copy. So I was pretty mm -hmm. happy about that. Um, and how do you I, find it? How do you find it in comparison with Frostgrave? Because I know that a lot of people say, you know, Frostgrave is basically the, the tribute to, and that's maybe unfair to Frostgrave. It's a game in its own right, but um, there are parallels, obviously. Um, there's a lot of similarities, a lot of similarities. I, I kind of, in my head, I coined a phrase, a uh, Mord grave. <laughs> Good. Because they're very similar. You can use a setting. You could use Felstad, the frozen city as Mordheim or Mordheim in a uh, skirmish game, low model count, a lot of fun. And you can do, you can have the board do stuff. There is, um, early rules that uh, Mordheim would allow there was random tables stuff like that not as not as many as Frostgrave but yeah they're it's comparable mm. why do you think Mordheim is still getting play all these years later uh I'd say the aesthetic uh just the the look the feel it had a lot of uh, big names like John Blanche was the artist uh, overseeing it and a few other people. I can't remember um, all the names, but yeah, I think, and uh, COVID really kind of, I think, skyrocketed. So before COVID, it was it was known, but when COVID hit, everyone just kind of dove into their hobbies and it kind of took off. So how long have you been uh, actively playing it then? Just since COVID? <sighs> Yeah, myself recently, just since COVID, I played early on um, with uh, my brother when I found the book. We tried it out, had some fun, even played with a few friends. But then it kind of got put on the wayside and and yeah, I just recently pulled it back out um, and was mucking about. And then I found a group that was in my uh, city here in Edmonton. And I joined up on the group on Facebook, and uh, I've now had two whole games in. So, great stuff. And when you when you join up a group like that, you're obviously getting together with folks that you don't know straight away. You'll get to know them, obviously. So, um, how have you found that in terms of like who's bringing all the gear, who's doing the bulk of the prep? Is it is it pretty hard to to get together with someone you don't necessarily know and set up a game like this and execute it? Um, it can be daunting. Um, I know for myself, it's definitely anxiety inducing, uh, um, just do to do with a few th situations that happened to me, uh, in the last two years. But yeah, I went on Sunday to a gentleman's house that I've never even met. <laughs> it was, uh, I, and there was two other guys that I knew there that I played with before, but yeah, it was, a. I contacted him and said, Hey, and he's like, yeah, I'm hosting it. And I showed up and we played and had a lot of fun. I think that we have a common ground. It really, it will tie you together. You can, you can start joking and laughing with them way easier than if you didn't have that common like gaming ground. That's that, that fun connection. Unlike, you know, like, Oh, Oh, what, what do you do for a job? Oh, oh I, 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 um, I collect uh, pennies, you know, 
<laughs> or something silly or something. But no, you're you're connecting over a game. Like, I don't know what any of them even do for a job. Like, we just, we're having fun. So I think that's a big help for people. So is that something you'll do regular now that you've kind of joined that group? That's the plan. I know in the new year, a lot of them want to start an actual campaign. So that's kind of fun. Um, actually get down to the brass tacks and that's what uh, more time's all about. So, so it, what did you, when you got together, did you bring some of your terrain in that just to help fill out the table? I did. I did. Um, there was a few, there's four of us that played and of the four of us, I think three of us brought, had terrain and we just made a board and played. It was just kind of a, oh, let's try this and let's try that. And so you'll be a good addition to their group if you're literally creating terrain on YouTube and stuff like that. You'll have a big, big collection of stuff that you could get on the table, wouldn't you? Uh, my collection's not as big as I'd like. I want more. I'm in the middle of uh, crafting a, a large terrain piece uh, for more time and Frostgrave and many other skirmish games. Um, so mm -hmm. that's a lot of fun. Uh, it's, it's a lot of work, but in the end, I think it's going to be worth it. So... Do you have a do you have a general pacing for um, how quickly and how regularly you're making certain terrain pieces, or is it totally dependent on what you're working on? It's dependent on what I'm working on. Um, I have a, at least three videos on the go right now, <laughs> and three and of them are aren't they about? Um, I have one uh, for sci-fi buildings. That's in the process. It, they're all assembled. They just need to be painted. Uh, then I'm working on the Mordheim train. And then from the Discord, uh, one of the guys mentioned um, the old cactuses from the 90s, those uh, styrofoam yeah. balls. And I'm like, yeah, I can make those. So I, I thought <laughs> I'll just record them up. And so it's almost they're almost painted and ready. So it just, I thought it'd be fun to do because I've never done them. So the, the big thing for me with terrain is always the, or the fear I get around it is the storage. Like if I accumulate lots of terrain that needs to be stored, then it's not as easy as just storing miniatures. Um, how have you how have you navigated those uh, those troubled waters? Um, I'm very fortunate. I was able to get a space in my uh, house. Um, I call it the lair, and it's it's my <laughs> my, my space. Uh, the wife doesn't uh, interfere down here. It it is taken up by the freezer also, but. <laughs> You got to make sacrifices. Um, so I have... Yeah, well, you get your steaks in there as well. Oh, oh yeah. I got some good steaks. The father-in-law's a butcher, so <laughs> I get I get the good stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I have a lot of shelves behind me. As you can see, obviously they can't. But yeah, Billy bookcases is the way to go. Can you think of a piece of terrain that you put together that like was almost no cost and took you very, very little time, but just turned out really, really well? I don't know about no time, but uh, my pillars, I really like them. They're sci-fi pillars, like concrete pillars that I made for the channel. Mm -hmm. um, it was for one of the Stargrave emissions. I made them up and they're just made a foam core mm -hmm. and covered with um, like a spackle, like wall spackle mm -hmm. and paint. And for me, um, it didn't take much time, but I know people who are like, well, that's so hard to make. I'm like, for me, it was easy. Yeah. As, as the fact that you're making terrain, is that, 
is that aided by like anything you do in your day job or any backgrounds in any trades or anything that you've developed these skills or is it purely through the hobby? Um, well, I played with Lego when I was a kid. Does that count? Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, it's, it's building. Yeah. Yeah. No, I've always I've always enjoyed building things with my hands. That's just how I am. I'm very tactile in that regards. Um, building Legos to you know sandcastles, building tree forts when you're younger, kind of thing. Um, but mm-hmm. then I, I got into, um, uh, welding, um, I'm actually a journeyman welder. Uh, I haven't welded in a while, uh, due to just circumstances, but so yeah, I have, a, I do have building training, so it definitely helps. With, uh, so you've talked about like the games that you're in and these are, these are games that uh, are very terrain heavy. Um, what came first, the love for terrain or the love for those games or vice versa? Kind of at the same time, um, when I started playing uh, in 2001, uh, I got into a Warhammer 40k and I started with Space Marines and <laughs> I sucked. <laughs> My dice rolls uh, were terrible, um, but I had fun. And I think that's the part of the joy of the hobby is it didn't matter if I was winning or losing. I was still having fun because I was hanging with friends. So... And I started building train, um, the classic, uh, pop can train. That was some of my first stuff, like, uh, refinery stuff. And then eventually the, the biggest piece I made was with, um, a fellow gamer and really close friend, uh, was a board. We made our, uh, was it, was it a six by four board with the, like a styrofoam plywood, carved a river into it, colored it, painted it, took her time, added sand. Yeah. And that was the biggest piece. And as far as I know, the gaming group that we were in, they're still using it to this day. So, Mm -hmm. so that's pretty cool. Yeah. I always like part of me loves the thought of having a six before, like really well-designed table. And then the other part of me thinks like, fighting over the same river again you know like I, I i suppose it would depend how often you were playing on it wouldn't it like if you were doing loads of regular games you'd be like here we are at the river again <laughs> like you know every inch of the table sort of thing yeah very much so and that's that's where i've struggled with train um i want to make it modular so if you dive in and you're like oh yeah i love frostgrave and i'm gonna make all my train this wintry scape. Well, now all your train pieces have snow on it and you're like, well, and now I need a river, well, river, and it's supposed to be summer and spring or whatever. Well, then it kind of looks weird. So if you can make a generic, basic terrain, it's easier to use your mind's eye um, to play. Just like how you were using those uh, blocks in your... uh, rangers game which i loved that was amazing mm-hmm. yeah we've used them twice now so it was the bridge guard scenario where the the concept you've maybe played this scenario yourself but they're not supposed to see you until the alarm's raised so yeah for anyone who hasn't seen the picture i just used the wooden blocks to it was supposed to be all rocks and stuff like that and it looks a bit funny when you start but once you once you roll the first dice like those wooden blocks vanish in your mind's eye, like you're saying. It's it becomes, you know, it's rocks, it's trees, 
Um, we did it recently with that uh, on Blood Moon with the Manor House because we needed to, we needed access to the inside of a building, and it was just like the perimeter was laid out of the blocks, so uh, it doesn't it doesn't jump out at you at you visually to start with, but once you start playing, you, you forget about that, don't you? Yeah, very much so. And I find with train in the end, as long as you guys are having fun, um, the train doesn't matter. Um, like I, I know you've talked about, um, the flat pieces, if that's all you have and you live in a small apartment, use that. Um, it's about being uh, smart with your time and storage for some people, just they don't have storage where I'm very fortunate. I know as I make more pieces, I'm going to need more storage and that's going to be a big problem. So I've already started to think on that a little, but yeah, invest in Rubbermaids and maybe a storage unit. Yeah, that just opened my sort of terrain library where people could hire the stuff for a, a while. Um, you ever, have you ever like sold any terrain? Have you ever made anything for anyone else or that? Or? No, no, I haven't done anything like that. Everything I've made so far is my kind of mine right now so far. Mm-hmm. Um, as I build more, maybe I'll start giving it away, but right now it's 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 kind of it becomes mine and it's kind of su- serves dual purpose for the channel um working on all that terrain then does it uh do you still get the opportunity to to do the, the miniature painting and collecting that like what sort of stuff are you working on there at the moment uh i am uh, i'm working on my actual uh more band for uh more time right now actually um i had a whole Skaven army when I finally was getting into uh, near the end of my uh, gaming groups uh, back when we started. And I had Skaven, so I'm like, I've just turned them in now into individual models instead of units. And I've been working on them and painting them up. I haven't painted them yet, but they're, you know, they're primed, ready to take some paint. A few of them. And and are are they, are they games workshop? They are. They are Games Workshop. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I actually was looking through my uh, large bits box and found that I had a whole um, 20-man squad of, uh, I think, gutter runners or whatever it's called. I can't remember exactly. And I'm Mm. I'm like, where did they come from? (laughs) Usually happens with most minis. Like, hey, surprise to me. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's a good wee treat when you find something that you... Either barely remember or just don't remember at all. Yeah, very uh, so much. Is that, so is that is that exclusively what you're doing at the moment? Then a Skaven Warband. No, I, I have a so many minis on the go right now. I'm working on some orcs, forty k orcs that I've had sitting for forever. They're primed and ready to go. I just need to start painting those ones too. Um, I found some old uh, Necron that I had kicking around, so I was working on those too. So, and then of course I have um, a lot of minis for uh, like Dungeons and Dragons and stuff too that I'm working on too. So, do you, there's, do you buy uh, do you buy stuff like buy new miniatures from companies out with Games Workshop and that? Or? Um, I haven't bought. Actually, no wait, sorry, I have bought recently from Games Workshop, and that's was uh, that's the first time in forever uh, I bought. Um, one of the kill teams uh, box sets. 
Mm-hmm. Gives you you kind of two war bands, gives you some terrain, some dice. I'll probably never play the game, but the minis are nice. You know, Games Workshop what, is... is was it two, two factions you get with it then? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was the Orcs, which uh, is one of my favorites, and then the Steel Legion, I believe. It's the uh, Kill Team Starter Box, so mm-hmm. a lot of people know that one. So, But you don't reckon you'll... Do you don't reckon you'll play it, the game itself? Will you maybe just do a Stargrave or that instead? Probably do Stargrave. I'll probably use them in Stargrave because it'd be more fun. And I know those rules better. And I could probably find someone to play Stargrave where I don't know anyone to play uh, Kill Team right now. So, Do you have a games workshop near you? Um, there's two in the city, actually. And there's multiple... Um, hobby stores too so so when you're when you're buying stuff do you do you go to those shops or do you tend to do like online orders or does it just depend it depends uh i i like to support local and i think that's a lot of people do but then there's a lot of times where i'll order from amazon or right from the company did you know that just like every other podcast out there this show has its very own patreon But this is no ordinary Patreon, it's actually the worst Patreon ever. That's right, there's no rewards, no extras, no bonus content, no early access, no shoutouts and no thank yous. I'll just take the money and quietly get on with making the show. Not that there's any money to take because hardly anyone's pledging to the thing. Like I say, it's the worst Patreon ever. Find it at bedroombattlefields.com slash worst Patreon ever. That's all one word, worst Patreon ever. Now, back to the show. I've found it. I've started uh, looking a lot more on Etsy these days. Like, I've picked up some good stuff on there. Uh, there's just, like, you could you could get anything hobby-wise on there, because eh? there's always somebody making a 3D print or that. And some of the stuff I got, like, it's really good quality. Like, I got some mushroom terrain for adding into bases and that, and it, it's really good stuff, like. Nice, yeah. No, it's... Etsy is the way to go if you don't have a 3D printer and you really want something, I find. Or or as I mentioned in one of my videos, even you can buy like um, styrofoam bricks off of Etsy, um, anything to help with your hobby even. so. Um, with, uh, with your YouTube channel then, so is it all like terrain making videos? Have you ever done like any gameplay stuff or painting miniatures or that or? I've done uh, mostly terrain. I've done a little bit of uh, painting. I did a little, my my normal guy review of the Speed Paints by Army Painter. So I did a little bit of painting on that. That was actually a lot of fun. It's something I strongly encourage people to get. Um, the Speed Paints are amazing. And I know there's mm-hmm. more on the way. And at the price that they sell at, it's I think it's totally worth it compared to... Uh, the contrast paints for Games Workshop. Don't get me wrong, I do own contrast paints, but I do have speed paints too, and I use the speed paints more than the contrast. So you said that you'd like got into the hobby in 2001. Were you out it again for a while, or is that was that you like all, all the way through, if you like? I wouldn't say I was strong all the way through since uh, 2001. Uh, I played probably for a good five years, 2001 onward, five years-ish, pretty strong. I remember we'd play about every second week when I got into it, 
And that like, was forty k at that time. Yeah, forty k was our uh, our jam. Um, played a lot of that. Um, then uh, the gaming group broke up. Um, people moved on. Some people got kids. I was young at the time. Well, young-ish. I wasn't young as some people as they got into the hobby, but um, yeah, and I moved away, and a few other people did too. So, and I dabbled. I constantly was building, tweaking, playing, um, just with models. wasn't doing much. Trying to build terrain, but for the most part, it wasn't until I found um, uh, actually Gaslands. Uh, that kind of really re-sparked my um, uh, love of hobby and tabletop. Um, and that was the first edition of Gaslands before they had the refueled. And once the refueled hit, that really took off and I introduced my family and we played, which was a lot of fun. So once you got into that, did that kind of open the door to a few other games? I mean, you've talked about like Joe McCulloch's games, so is that kind of one thing led to, to finding them as well then. Yeah, very much so. Um, I stumbled across uh, Frostgrave just when... I remember finding it, learning about it, um, right before the second edition came out. And I told my same buddy, <laughs> um, which he actually, which is fun, is nice, um, kind of on a side tangent. He has a small store in a small town, like a gaming store. So it's always nice to get him and support him but it gives new ideas for his store too. And I told him about Frostgrave and he's like, this is really cool. And then the second edition hit and that's when I finally was able to pick up the book. And yeah, I haven't turned back and I love how uh, uh, Joseph there has made his game just so unique and fun. I Yeah, it's some people are like, like we were talking about earlier, it's kind of like a, uh, homage to Mordheim, but it's it's its own thing too, and it hit the market at the right time. It's mm -hmm. I think that's really what it helps, and the love is there for people. They love it because of the setting, and then they can make it their own. I've seen, you know, whatever warband you want. Do you use uh, when you're playing like say Frostgrave, uh, Stargrave, Rangers of Shadow Deep? Do you use the scenarios, the, the pre-written scenarios, or do you? Do you have a go at sort of creating your own stuff as well? I've used a lot of the pre-made scenarios, but I've also made my own. Um, not many, but a couple or modified them. Um, I've played um, Perilous Dark as the single player or co-op one for Frostgrave, which I highly recommend. It's totally worth it. Um, I've played that one almost all the way through, and it's hard. The first mission is one of the hardest in it. Um so it will challenge you and <laughs> cause you to die, <laughs> which is a, a lot of fun, even with uh, the challenges. I'm rereading that book just now, actually, funnily enough, because uh, I've got it myself, and I was mainly reading the because it's it kind of it's it does two things, doesn't it? It's like a guide, not how to, but like ideas for doing your own stuff. But also there's scenarios in there. So I've not really dived into the scenarios yet, but I have been reading a lot of the different because he talks about like you know how do you how do you work monsters if you're playing solo or co-op and and 
talks about a lot about the the table playing against you, you know, traps and obstacles and tables and stuff, which I really like. Um, I'm just I'm still wary of getting together, me and Robert. Like it's 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 so rare that we could actually get together and play a game. I'm hesitant to do something myself in case it just totally. You know, if we were doing it every week, I would definitely try it. But I'm like, I'd feel safer turning up with like a scenario that Joe McCulloch had written because I know that like it'll at least be properly balanced and stuff and get us a couple hours of game in. <laughs> That's fair. Um, I remember him talking about the first scenario in The Perilous Dark and he says it's one of the hardest scenarios he's ever written. Uh, I remember mm. hearing him interview about that, and I would have to agree. It is it is very hard. Um, What's hard about it then? Just the way the snakes, because uh, it calls for vapor snakes and a few constructs, and you have to get from uh, one corner of the board to the other corner of the board. Well, and you're trying to go past everything, so it just makes it really hard to defeat them. And it's a D20, so it's very swingy, so you could roll really good. And it'd be a half decent fight and, or you could roll really bad and have half your warband dead by the time you hit the door. So, <laughs> but I think that's what makes it so much fun. As hard as it is, it really s brings you into that narrative. Mm -hmm. um, gives you that joy of the game and makes your warband like really come alive. And what warband are you using for that just now? If you're if the Skaven are still on the painting table, then um, I actually have ran a Skaven warband, um, and but I also have my original warband that I uh, 3D printed, um, and painted up completely, and that was a lot of fun. Um, I can't remember what the wizard was. It might have been. Oh, I think it was a summoner. Hmm. I found them very powerful because you could summon the demons and release the demon on something and kind of sacrifice it as you run away. I I remember that from our game of Frostgrave. Like I was, uh, I think it had the apprentice. He was he stood there trying to summon a demon, repeatedly failed, and then I think somebody killed him. It was <laughs> it was actually a bit pathetic. <laughs> spent oh, yeah. the whole game trying to do a thing never managed to do it got killed but uh, I suppose if you're going to be a magic user that might uh, that might happen do you think you'd ever be tempted to try a game like 40k again these days either in its old iteration or its modern one if I found the time and the right person uh, I think I would yes because I Never say no to gaming. <laughs> it really comes down to that. I think if I can find the right time and the right person is willing to put in that time, sure. But right now, a lot of my games are skirmish games because it's easier. You know, you paint up 10 minis, your opponent paints up 10 minis, or you don't have even all them painted, and you're like, ah, oh, let's just play. Uh, it's a much more, uh, a much more achievable way to to play a game I find like I, I couldn't imagine now trying to cart all the stuff needed for like a full game of Warhammer or something like that I just I, I couldn't imagine carting all that stuff about by the time you'd set it up and everything it just I, I, I'd love to I'd love to revisit that at some point but I find it quite intimidating 
even just all the stuff that you would need for it as well. Yeah, it's it's very intimidating. Like you said, it's the space you need because a standard game is what fifteen hundred points or whatever for forty k. You need a, what a four by six table. Now you got to put terrain on it. Your opponent has to have the same size of army, and then you got to lock in what how long is that going to take? Three to four hours. So, yeah, a very big commitment. And um, I have young kids. So it's not going to happen uh, very often. Maybe when they're older and uh, I can sucker them in. With uh, on the, the Warhammer side of things, like we've, uh, I've got my six mil stuff and I, I think maybe the next game that we have after we do a replay of Blood Moon is going to be uh, like a, a game of essentially Kings of War rules, but using the six mil because... You really don't need that much stuff or that much room at all to do that, and you get that like, you get that fix of doing the mass battle, but on a very small scale. So, um, that's one way of doing it. I know it's not for everyone. Like a lot of people, just they won't they won't uh, veer away for twenty eight mil at all. But um, I quite like the thought of doing that scale now and then. Have you ever dabbled in other scales? Um. Yes. Yeah. I actually have. I've played uh, BattleTech. And I have a bit of BattleTech, which is a totally different scale. Um, that's a lot what of scale. Is that? I don't know. It's more six mil. It's very much that mm. six mil. You can do use your tanks and stuff that are six mil for BattleTech. And I've printed a few. Mm-hmm. Um, and BattleTech's been around just as long as Games Workshop. It's changed hands. Uh, it's had a few uh, ups and downs, but it has a big cult following, and it's really big right now because they're bringing out a lot of plastic minis for it so mm. yeah and it, have you done any terrain at that scale for myself no uh i have not built anything for that i know i want to that'd be i think that'd be fun uh and a challenge because it's a totally different scale mm-hmm. in that regards um and then i've also done um ship combat uh, battlefleet gothic uh, by Games Workshop back in the day. I picked that up, actually. Mm. I actually so that's own... spaceships? Yeah, yeah, it's spaceships. And there's now a lot of spaceship games that you can uh, play. Mm-hmm. So, How did you, know. you find that? Games Workshop, I found that one, and I saw it, and I bought the box set. I thought it was the coolest thing ever. Mm-hmm. So, And it was very unique, and it's a lot of fun. So I still have the box up on the shelf and uh i pr- re- uh, recently just had some fun found some free models online and i 3d printed those too so cool yeah i want to paint them up but there's a there's a long list but slowly running out of time here ryan but what's uh, what's next for you like in terms of you got a game planned anytime soon of anything in the calendar probably not any official games planned i know christmas is here so it's going to affect a lot of people um hopefully maybe over the christmas holidays i'll get some uh maybe some gas lands in with uh, the brother-in-law and father-in-law they actually enjoy that uh a wee bit so i'll bring that along when i go see them but other than that probably just keep plugging away at my train getting the videos prepped and sadly it won't be ready in time i don't think but yeah new year 
And what about the YouTube channel? Like, I'll obviously put a link in the show notes to it, but is there a is there an easy link for the listener to find that? Because you get YouTube handles now, don't you? Uh, yeah, just Adventure Built Gaming. Adventure Built Gaming. Yeah, yeah. And what's uh, what what we going to what's going to be coming up next on the channel? Hopefully, the more time building that I'm building. It's I've teased it a few times. Um, I know I've shown a few friends and they're like, that's amazing. So that's, that's the plan. I really like the building that's coming together and the techniques I've used. I've used techniques that I've used on old videos and some new stuff that I've, uh, kind of come up with. So, yeah. Yeah.